Do you think that the Gojis just get really good at recognizing each Rikshi just by their feet? <laughs> Dude, wait, 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 wait. How many of these Gojis do you think have developed a foot fetish because of this? I was going to say, I <laughs> Gojis have to, be, have to be foot guys, right? Like, right. They're there's got to be something to it. Because only a foot guy would be able to dedicate enough like visual memory to the intricacies, the the topo- the topography of a grown <laughs> the man's feet. Topography. The to- <laughs> oh, God. That's a wrap, folks. It's a good one. Oh, oh no, I killed Noah. <laughs> I've been waiting for somebody to do it. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, that's that's a good question. I think that might I think there might be some legitimacy to that. I think um and and now it makes me kind of wonder, you know, I'm I'm definitely not a foot guy and I know that uh Rikishi have probably some of the worst feet in the world. I've seen pictures that are oh, just God. atrocious. I mean, even that scene in Sanctuary where the yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking yeah, about. And it's like bleeding and cracked. It looks like like mud cracks. I mean, it's horrible. Uh, yeah. And that's a lot and like it. My take feet, the super glue to it. Yeah, my feet with the little bit of backyard sumo that we've been doing for the last few months are not in great shape. I cut off a callus the size and density of a cheese it the other day. <laughs> oh, wow. Scissors, that's right? awesome. And now I've got little like, pockets in my feet where I could keep M&Ms or something. Just, <laughs> I don't know, but... I mean, this is gross. Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe that's M&M's maybe in Maybe Kimura Shonosuke is like, oh, that was a, a chiclet fell out. That's all. <laughs> I know he's always packing snacks. Oh God, I have like this weird phlegm stuck in the back of my throat, so apologies if I have to stop in the middle of this and start coughing up a lung. I'm sure it would bring in some new listeners we probably don't want to <laughs> Yeah, some new weird fetish that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, we'll get yeah. there. <laughs> you hear about the wicker furniture thing? Wicker furniture? Mm-hmm. Eh, we don't have to go there. <laughs> Does it involve bees? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Can we start this episode now? Okay, okay, okay. okay. All right, it's episodes. All right, so week one of the Natsu Basho. D's Natsu. No, wait. um, That's not bad. Day one through eight. We just got finished with uh, day eight yesterday. So, uh, I noticed the... Oh, shit, I guess I should introduce our guest, huh? (laughs) Fuck. We've been sitting here talking to you for the past, like, 15 minutes, just like it's nothing. So we have Noah Wellbrock Tully with us again today, the sumo artist. Oh, yeah, I guess we should probably introduce ourselves, too. Probably. Who are you? I am Matt. I am Sabrina. 
And this is the podcast currently known as Sumo Punks. <laughs> Not quite print style and formally known as. We do like purple a lot. I mean, you know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, Noah, we invited you on the show today because you do have an encyclopedic knowledge of sumo. I, for the life of me, cannot understand how you fit so many sumo facts into that brain of yours that already has all this, like, creative knowledge and all this other stuff. It is just fucking phenomenal. So, day one through eight of the Natsuba show, first thing I noticed right off the bat... The geishas were out in full force for this tournament, <laughs> obviously motivating everyone to put their best sumo on display. <laughs> Sometimes you'll see them show up just for like maybe one or two days, and then you never see them again. Well, not for like the rest of that particular tournament, but no, they've been there every single day. And it's not just like one or two, it's like a whole fucking group of them. I bet that just like brings the pressure. They're like, fuck. Well, I, I think that I, I don't know a ton about being a geisha. I have a friend who knows a lot about it, who talked to me about it once years ago. And that's kind of where these memories are coming from. But I believe that there are a lot of sort of strong parallels in terms of expectation and lifestyle in being a geisha and being a sumo wrestler. I think being a geisha is kind of the feminine version of the masculine sumo wrestler. That's what I've in heard. In terms yeah. of like living in the lifestyle strong senses of hierarchy, having to work your way up after years of training, having very specific hairdos that occasionally cause tension, alopecia, um, you know, stuff like <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, yeah, so the geishas were there. Everybody was on their best behavior for the most part. <laughs> we did get a few questionable hinkas. I mean, I wasn't the one questioning them. It was other people. But um... <laughs> Have we had a hanka conversation yet? Do you have opinions on the hanka? We have definitely had a hanka okay. conversation <laughs> But the first thing that I did want to talk about is we had some major retirements yeah. coming up to this Basho and like... Like 900 pounds of collective retirement. Yes. Seriously. <laughs> and then we had some people that had to pull out as well. But first thing I want to talk about is Ichi Nojo. Despite being back in Makuuchi on the May Banzake, Ichinojo announced about a week before the start of the tournament that he had decided to retire, citing lower back pain. During his sumo career, he received nine Kimboshi, which is a merit given to wrestlers for defeating a Yokozuna while in a Maigashira rank, and achieved a career-high ranking of Sekiwake. Last year, he had won the Nagoya Championship in July, but everything kind of seemed to go downhill from there. He was suspended from the January tournament earlier this year when it came to light that he had repeatedly broken COVID protocols back in 2020 and 2021. This absence caused his ranking to dip down to the Jurio division, which he absolutely dominated, winning the Yusho, gaining him a spot back in the Makauchi division. It was only after the new Bonsake came out confirming such that he announced his retirement. Though he cites back injury as his motivation for retirement, many are questioning whether this is the whole story or not. We've been hearing a lot of reports over the past few months of his alcohol-fueled behavior causing a rift between him and his Oyakata. I personally don't see how that would not have been a factor in his decision. 
He had gained Japanese citizenship back in 2021 and had previously mentioned a possible future as a sumo elder, but now he has no plans of pursuing that after his retirement, according to recent statements. So what do you guys think about the retirement of the big guy himself, Ichinojo? Man, what I heard was... Uh that he was just like super drunk and it was just probably like a drunken, obstinate defiance where someone was knocking at his door. So no, you have to go. It's time to go. You have to go to Keiko. You know, you have to go train. He's like, no, I don't want to. He's like, well, what are you just going to quit? He's like, I guess I quit. And then that was, I heard that story too. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, damn. So it was just kind of like, he just wouldn't answer the door. just wouldn't go train. So I guess he just said, fuck it. Not to contribute to all, to all the rumor and conjecture, but there was a photo that surfaced online today of some fans that had taken a picture with him, and it looked like it was taken at night, and it looked like they encountered him in a restaurant slash bar, and he did not look great. I mean, he was like all red in the face, looked super groggy. His hair looked like he had done his own top knot, like it oh, was no. all over the fucking place. I mean, and he was just standing there for the picture. Uh, he was in... Street clothes, which you know, situationally is fine, but it was just, it was a little bit, like, if you know the backstory, it's hard not to see that photo and go, he looks kind of rough. Um, yeah. I had not heard that story in particular yet, but, um, you know, it's possible. Uh, okay, anyone who's ever had, like, a back injury knows that they affect every aspect of your life yes. all the time. I mean, he was talking about how he couldn't even lay down to sleep without pain. And mm. I mean, that means there's no respite for you in that situation. Everything you do is worse than it should be, um, mm. which people with chronic pain deal with all the time. And, you know, yeah, um, if you are raised, and I mean, obviously this is all speculation, but if you're raised in a society, and I mean, he's been in sumo for a long time, not as long as some, but I mean, he's probably spent, he's definitely spent his entire adult life there, most of it, um, in in a culture, the sumo culture, which is about powering through pain, toughening it up, a lot of weird home remedies, a lot of old-fashioned ways of handling things, and is also very, very big on how much alcohol you drink, and you're a six-foot, four-inch, 500-pound man, you can drink a lot of alcohol, and I mean, if that becomes your way of dealing with your constant chronic pain, then I can see why it would be easy to develop into a problem that you would not want to give up, especially when you're constantly forced to go and do things that only exacerbate your chronic pain. And so, yeah, it was confusing because he looked amazing in Jurio last tournament and everyone is expecting like a pretty strong comeback. But I mean, number one, back injuries, I mean, they're super volatile. It was probably nothing that had ever really gone away, even if he had had a good time at that tournament or had it managed or whatever um being that big like it it just it's how it goes i, I mean i think i talked about this even last time i would often yeah. compare him to ono kuni in terms of sort of the ways that his sumo disappointed me um but ono kuni really ran himself into the ground being a, a really big guy with a lot of agility and power um and ono kuni was the first or second youngest yokozuna ever to retire he was like 28 as a yokozuna Damn. he retired because his body broke down pretty much as, I mean, really soon after he made it to the rank. Because when you're just that fucking big and you're putting in that much work, it really wears on you. And Ichino Joe was bigger than Ono Kuni. He was a little bit taller and he was heavier at his peak than Ono Kuni was at his peak. And so I can see it being a mixture of both things. I, 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 I highly doubt that the injuries and the alcoholism are not strongly interconnected and oh, yeah. both big motivating factors for this shock decision for him to retire. 
Yeah, I kind of assumed that his relationship with alcohol did come from a place of self-medicating, not just for injury, but maybe even for his his mental anguish that he might have been going through, you know, especially in his younger years, being in a different culture, trying to figure out how to fit into that culture, and then just the type of culture in the stable, which can be very brutal, mm. you know, and does encourage that type of, of uh, binge drinking, really. But the behavior that he displays when he's drunk, for example, assaulting the Okami-san, yeah. you know, that's, we might understand why he drinks so much, but that's not ex an excuse for what he does when he's drunk. Right. You know? And I also heard differing takes on that story. I mean, I heard people say that he yeah. had smacked her. I've heard people say he stood up and she got knocked over, or he was like shrugged her off and she got knocked over because he's huge. I mean, yeah. I don't, obviously... The end result is terrible, and if you're in a position where that's happening to an older to anyone really, but yeah. I mean, especially like the woman who takes care of you, it is. Uh, I mean, you need to fucking knock it off, dude. But, I bit my grandma once and was surprised when she immediately started bleeding. I didn't realize old people's skin was so thin. I just wanted her to stop hitting on my boyfriend. Oh Jesus! <laughs> well, true first story. Of all, <laughs> oh my god! First of all, okay, Cougar's got a coog. Second, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like newsprint that shit. Their, their skin's just it's 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 very thin. No, um, it's like rice paper. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, but anyway. I mean, either way, I don't know where Ichino Joe's life is going to go from here. And from the sounds of things, he doesn't either. Um, yeah. If if all of these circumstances are true, then it's a sad ending to a solid career that I think many feel never quite fulfilled its potential, largely due probably to injury. Um, it's hard to have that same kind of, like, I think neck and back injuries in sumo, for me, they're the scariest. Like, yeah. they, like, they really... Look at what happened to Ishira. That's exactly... Exactly, yeah. yeah. I think they have a potential to really, like, not just, obviously, screw up your whole body. I mean, I have a friend who uh, dove head first into a swimming pool once and cracked his head on the bottom, but mm. it, like, screwed up his spine in a way that has caused rippling effects throughout his entire body in weird way, like down to his hips and his legs and shit and his shoulders, all of it was yeah. connected here and that have continued to evolve and worsen in different ways in the time since yeah. it was seven years ago. He's my age, you know? Um, and so like stuff with your neck and with your back, it can just, it can ruin you. And I think that really makes it add to the psychological factor. I think it has a stronger yeah. chance of really breaking your spirit. I think you see that in Takakesho. Like he injured his neck originally badly, I believe against Ichino Joe. Yeah. Since then, his fights against Ichino Joe seemed way more tepid, way more timid. There would be guys nearly Ichino Joe's size that he would just blast out of the way. But when it came to Ichino Joe, he had that hesitancy and that fear that's just related yeah, to I, that past incident. And you I can't really that. blame him because it's such a scary and such a like holistically bad thing to damage. Yeah, true. But, you know, when it comes to the, like, self-medicating stuff, like, there, there are definitely, and I, I know we've talked about this before, um, there are definitely better ways to go about that. There are, are better medications, let's say, that he could be using. <laughs> but, Fentanyl, uh, heroin, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's well, even ketamine, there's... 
If he is taking, like, for example, opiate painkillers and drinking alcohol at the same time, that is a threat to his life. He could literally die from that. Yeah. So, and we don't want to see that happen, you know, despite everything. Like, I'm still, you know, rooting for the guy. But I, who knows what the rest of his life is going to be like. I just hope he could find some peace. I hope he could, you know, lose some weight to take the strain off his body. And, you know, I heard he does have business ventures in uh, Mongolia that are going really well right now. I kind of assumed he was going to go back to Mongolia. He's a nomad, right? Yeah, that's that's where he's from. Yeah, he's like a like a, a wandering rural person of Mongolia yeah, originally. He's not like I think Terano Fuji was like a rich kid before he came up. For Ichinojo, I just hope that he finds relief, you know, doesn't uh, have to be in so much pain. I hope he could either, you know, whatever he chooses to do, I wish him the best. And I really enjoyed watching his sumo. Yeah, I hope he finds uh, spiritual mental and physical rest and relaxation and growth and maturity yeah he was cool to watch some of the time unfortunately for my like because i only started watching live sumo in 2020 and so i mostly caught kind of like a a very wishy-washy ichinojo but his his yusho was hype as hell his defeat over Terano Fuji in that tournament is a favorite match of mine. Oh, yeah. And obviously he had some really big, upset, exciting bouts when he came onto the scene. And I've seen a lot of those through Jason's channel and stuff. And I understand why he had a big following. And I liked that, you know, he was like the last bastion of the the 500-pound club. Yeah. He was such a big fan of those really big guys, like the Hawaiians from back in the day. And it was like, why do we have anyone that big anymore? And and then it was, why do we have only one guy who's that big and he's not half as good? But you know, it, mm-hmm. I mean, still, he was he was a he was fun to watch when he was really on, and um, he I hope he finds peace. Yes. Yeah, I think I hope he finds peace was the more succinct way of saying what I just said. <laughs> so. Um, and me too. I mean, that's yeah. you know, that's the yes. We wish you peace, Ichi Nojo. You know what? I hope he gets to go back to Mongolia and just hang out with some horses and like yeah. do Mongolian stuff. Yeah, arrows. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. Yeah. Throw around little balk kids. You know. Yeah, that'll be fun. <laughs> and be comparatively richer than God. <laughs> All right. Next big retirement that we just recently uh, had fall on us was Tochinoshin. Oh. At the age of 35, Tochinoshin has decided it is time to retire. He had been forced to sit out the rest of the January tournament after suffering a dislocated shoulder, which ended up relegating him down to Jurio in March. Some people had expressed surprise that he had even attempted to participate in the March tournament, but his tenacity won over, even though he only managed to gain five wins. That made it even more surprising that he showed up for the current Natsubasho. But after five days of no wins, he finally decided to call it quits. Speaking to the press, he expressed that he had hoped to get by for at least another two years, but doing so with such a broken body was just not feasible. Tochinoshin had reached a career high of Ozeki in 2018, a rank that few ever achieve. Subsequent injuries, particularly to his knees, had caused him to lose that ranking and eventually become a Maegashira staple for the past couple of years. When he descended back down to Jurio after so many years in Makauchi, 
Many felt the end was nigh for the gorgeous Georgian, and it turned out they were right. Despite the fact he says he loves Japan and wishes to continue living there, he still has not gained Japanese citizenship. Therefore, it's not looking like he will have much of a future in sumo after retirement, except perhaps the occasional guest coaching visit. He apparently has plans to start an import business bringing Georgian goods to Japan, and says he sees himself possibly splitting his time between the two countries. After having his fellow Georgian friend Gagamaru as the guest of honor at the recent Rollertown Showdown tournament, hosted by Dallas Sumo Club, I'm now personally having fantasies of our dear Tochi clad in a cowboy hat, <laughs> posing with members of the Texas Ichiman. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, right? <laughs> if both of them came to Texas for the next Roller Town tournament, oh my god, we'd just be drowning in Georgians. No, okay. <laughs> there, there would only be two of them, but even but just those two particular those are Georgians two are a lot big, of Georgians. Georgians. Yes. <laughs> what do you guys uh, have as far as thoughts on the retirement of our dearly beloved Tochin Ocean? Okay, so. Um, I was slow to warm up to Tochinoshin as a Rikishi because, like I said, I came into watching live sumo in 2020, which means, frankly speaking, for the entirety of my time as a sumo fan, Tochinoshin has exercised a brand of sumo that is pretty unlikable. Um, he has been a puller and a slapdown guy, his like left arm round the back. Slapdown is like mm -hmm. his biggest, has been his biggest thing for the majority of the time that I've been an active follower of Sumo. And so in the beginning, I found it really weird that everybody loved him so much. And I was like, well, maybe he's just a great guy. I had heard he was an Ozeki. His physique is crazy. He has shoulders the size of basketballs. But like <laughs> the way he fights from what I was seeing, I thought mostly sucked. I mean, I saw the awesome like Enho lift out in January 2020, which is very memorable. Um, but I was also like, well, okay. I mean, I was new. That was the first tournament I ever watched live. I was new to sumo. I was like, Enho's oh, wow. tiny. Like, yeah, sure. I mean, he probably gets lifted out a lot. Little did I know that when Tochi Noshin was really at the peak of his powers, his story was incredible. I mean, he was essentially a proto Heronofuji comeback, similar injuries, rising back up the ranks after a big drop really barnstorming his way through Jurio and into Makauchi when he came back, and then even going as far as Ozeki with a really straightforward, powerful, you know, like, lifty belt style that had a shot at beating anybody. Didn't mean he'd beat everybody all the time, but, he, you know, there was always a chance. for. That's why they called him the Georgian forklift. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he was really, really awesome at that time. It just so happened that he, like many others, which is becoming way more common these days, decided to linger on in the sport well past his prime and had a last few years that were definitely not the best representation of him as a Rikishi. And unfortunately, that was the representation of him that I am most familiar with because my biggest gap in sumo is anything pre-1960 and then weirdly enough, anything sort of between 2010 and 2020 that isn't about a Rikishi I particularly took interest in because... Um, there's not a whole lot of that content easily available, like in an easily digestible form on YouTube, right? right? If you wanted to watch Sumo from that era, you'd have to go from like Jason video to Jason video to Jason video, which are all like 
five to ten minutes long just to get one match. Whereas everything else, going back 50 years, you have these huge, you have tons of just compilation videos. You can watch Sumo over and over and over again and eat a lot of it up really quickly. But because of that, I didn't see a lot of Tochi. I have the app that would allow me to go watch every single Tochi Noshin match from 2010 if I wanted to. Mm. Um, but I haven't done that because he, you know, I mean, maybe I will just to celebrate him. But um, learning about his personality, learning about his his style and his his time at Ozeki, or, or well, his time leading up to Ozeki, his time at Ozeki was not great, but his time leading up to Ozeki, his whole story, he's a, an amazing guy. And I can see why he is so dearly beloved, why Georgian fans are probably the most passionate sumo fans in the whole world. Oh, yeah. And they've just got the three Rikishi to get behind, but they get <laughs> fully behind. You don't want to piss off a Georgian sumo fan. I mean, right? they <laughs> love this guy, which is awesome because he seems like a really lovable guy who has taken everything in stride. He has certainly never had it easy, but he has never let that get to him. He has never let that show. I mean, yeah. it's, it's impressive. Uh, That's even something if- his Oyakata mentioned as well, is that, uh, you know, if if he was ever in pain, he just endured it silently. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. You, you kind of see it on his face sometimes, you know. And yeah. his butt bandages. When I came into sumo, <laughs> that was like a weekly topic of conversation. I wanted to ask a question about his butt bandages. And there were so many theories, I never got a straight answer. But it's one of the great mysteries, I think, of his time. <laughs> and he's still got little marks on his butt cheeks. From what I had heard, it's it's something that's actually pretty common in sumo. It's some sort of like um like fungal infection, isn't it? Oh, it's viral, I thought. It's is it viral? I thought, I thought it was, it was like one of those like candida things, you yeah, know. Something living in the dirt. I thought it was like yeah. a viral kind of thing and it just kind of pops up. I don't know, but I thought it was cute to see the little bandages on his butt cheeks. <laughs> and you know, we we would often um especially when we first started the podcast refer to him as Station, which if you've ever seen Bill and Ted's Bogus Adventure, no, Bogus Journey. Bogus Journey, you would know that is um the the alien that they hang out with and one of the focuses uh in a scene from that movie is this alien dude's bodacious butt. Um, very similar to Tochin Oceans, weirdly. But, yeah, uh, yeah I, I also, uh, first thing I noticed about Toch was how he had a gut and abs at the same time. Yeah, there's like, been a couple Rikishi like that, but you I don't envy see it very that. often. I don't think I had ever seen that before, and that was very inspiring to me personally, because I was like, alright, I could still be a fatty, but then get, like, a fucking washboard, like, you know, to go along with my gut. So that sounds <laughs> like, a, like the plan for me now. But I don't know. When I first saw Tochidoshin, I was like, oh, wow, like, I didn't know there's, like, you know, this European dude in here. I didn't you know, know much about him at all. But uh, when we first started watching Sumo, he was the Ozeki, you know, it was, uh, and it was him and Takayasu. Like they were Ozeki, like concurrently, I think when we first started watching, I think, you know, it's been so long now. I can't really remember any back, details. Back in the days when were. Takayasu used to do his. Yeah. yeah his little <laughs> shoulder shrug. I miss that. Yeah. And we'll get to Takayasu in a minute too. But uh, yeah, with, uh, but, Tochi, it was, I just really loved his belt style. I was like, wow, this guy's like super technical. This dude's a grappler. And he's just, I don't know. It just like kind of amazed me when I saw, you know, that Ozeki level. And then, uh, of course, I went down the YouTube rabbit hole because when I first got into sumo, I mean, I took a deep dive down the sumo rabbit hole on YouTube and just like watched and devoured as much as I could. And uh, the stuff from whenever he first got into Maku Uchi, he was wearing like, you know, this blue Mawashi and I, 
he would just absolutely dominate. I was like, dude, this dude. And then, um, dude, dude, <laughs> this dude. <laughs> We're getting into that Bill and Ted territory again. <laughs> but he was, he's always been one of my favorites. He's just somebody that I've always enjoyed watching. And he's just, you know, there's not much personality that Ricochet are really allowed to show, but what little personality I've seen, I really like. Yeah. We, we refer to him sometimes as Uncle Toach. Yeah. Uncle Toach. Just because he <laughs> seems to have that kind of, um, I don't know what else to call it. Just an uncle vibe. He does. You know? He definitely has an uncle vibe. <laughs> So who was the best European? Oh God, <laughs> uh, Scott Finley. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, of the pro Rikshi, though. Um, oh man. Uh, the current Naruto Oyakata. Kotoshu. Yeah. yeah. Um, Kotoshi was pretty badass. Yeah, the uh, let's see, I don't know. I got Baruto. to meet Gagamaru in person. <laughs> oh, you're a little biased. <laughs> I'm a little bit biased there. <laughs> I think I might be wrong on this, but I think Gagamaru had like not a positive head to head, but like a confusingly like more than you'd expect wins over Haruma Fuji in his career. Like something weird where it's. I mean, you know, Gagabari was great and all, but he was, you know, he, he he didn't make Ozeki or anything like that. And you wouldn't expect him to have a large number of wins over a Yokozuna. But I feel like, I feel like this is a thing. I think it's um, like a mental thing. I think like maybe he had like just one against him whenever they first started or like whenever they were younger and he maybe just dominated him. And, you know, Haruma Fuji just still has like a thing stuck in his head. He's like, oh, God damn it. I got to fight this guy again. And it's just kind of like a block in his head. He's like, fuck, I've lost to this guy so many times. Am I going to just like, you know. And that causes him to keep losing. Yeah. Yeah. I see. I see <laughs> it's not saying. that he had a ton of wins. It's that he didn't fight him that many times in total. But he did beat him a few of the times. Like he, it was it was a two to five. So not not what I had imagined. But maybe it's just I saw Gagamaru beat Haruma Fuji once, and I was like, wow, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool. I got to I got to hug the guy that beat Haruma Fuji. Yeah, <laughs> he did, he did one, got a kinboshi off of him even. Yeah, yeah. Beat, beat him when Haruma was Yokozuna. Nice. All right. Well, any last words on Tochin Ocean before we move on to our first uh, Kyujo Rikshi? Well, I'm just glad he's, you know, he's listening to his body. And I hope he gets some relief and some peace, too. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we haven't seen the last of Uncle Toch. I'm sure he's going to pop up every now and again. Wait till yeah. he gets short hair. Oh, I know, uh, right? <laughs> oh, man. I kind of hope he keeps it long. I kind of hope he has that um, kind of short little ponytail in the back, you know, that some mm. guys do. Like, it's it's almost like a... It, it makes me think of uh, like a mobster, like a more modern mobster look, you know, just a pulled back <laughs> short little ponytail. But, uh, you know, we, we do wish Tochin Ocean the best of luck. Yeah. All right, so I said we would get to Takayasu, and now is the moment to do that. We got word the day before the start of the tournament that Takayasu had suffered an injury during practice and had to pull out of this basho. Yeah, I don't rem remember the uh, nature of the injury, but yeah, it was. I think it was you know the practice that they have at the Kokugi Con, like you know, just mm -hmm. like yeah, it was 
one of those. Yeah, I can't remember the nature of the injury either. I guess I probably should have looked that up. <laughs> um, I want to say it was like an ankle thing. I think it was a thigh. thigh. Oh, thigh. It was a thigh. Takayasu injured his right inner thigh at morning practice. Right this inner thigh. This is a thigh. translation of an econ sports article. Okay, okay. He injured his right inner thigh. So that's that's like that that hamstring area. I know. Right? Oh, I know that um, area. That area does suck to injure. <laughs> I'm not really sure what a hamstring is, but the first time I heard that when I was a kid, I thought of like uh, uh, string cheese, but just made out of ham. But <laughs> <laughs> <fucking> awesome. <laughs> But uh, yeah, Takiyasu has been really struggling recently. I mean, it might even be time for him to go the way of of Tochinichi Nojo. Don't you say that. You know, know, I love me some Takiyasu. Takiyasu is so good at sumo that he can beat Kyujo every other tournament and still find his way back in the fucking joy. Yeah. Like, Like, lickety split. He'll be Kyujo for a tournament or two, and then he'll come back and he'll get fucking a Junyu show, which he did three times last year, and then he'll be back in the joy and he'll get injured and he'll go Kyujo. So, like, certainly his time is gradually coming to an end, but mm-hmm. again, we're in this era where if people can keep going, it seems like they will, and I wouldn't be surprised if Takayasu kept doing this dance for as long as he possibly could. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Takayasu in July kick everybody's ass again, but then come up short of a Yusho like he always does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because I do sincerely think, I mean, I think I, I made a list in maybe 2021 of who I thought were the top five Rikishi and Sumo at the time. It was maybe last year, but um, Takeyasu was in my top five. In terms of like when he is not hurt and he is on form, he is extremely powerful. He has both styles of Sumo worked out to a very high degree which mm-hmm. there are very few Rikishi in the game right now about whom that can be said. Um, which is weird because it used to be that way with like lots of people where you would see everybody had at least some game in one direction or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but Takayasu can beat Terunofuji on the belt. He's one of a literal handful of people who I think have a shot at that at all um, mm-hmm. in sumo currently. Uh, we have our Sekiwaki. We have like Hoshoryu and shit. Like all these people that get talked up like crazy. And yeah. then... Takayasu comes in and he embarrasses them. Remember when Hoshoryu was doing that fucking, like, long-ass stare-down waiting for Takayasu, like, demanding that Takayasu yeah. put his hands down last time? And then Takayasu put his fucking hands down first, and then he yeeted Hoshoryu's ass out of the <laughs> Like, he is one of those guys who is just capable of doing that fairly casually when he is on. And um, I think that'll keep him in sumo for a while longer. I don't know I that so. we'll see any new heights out of Takayasu. I don't know that the Dream You show will ever happen, but I sincerely think he is really fading out to be from reckoned the with. highest echelon of sumo skill in terms of the people we have around today. Uh, I, I can't sing enough of his praises. Yeah, I'm just I'm worried that he might have had these these comebacks a few too many times already, and it's not sustainable. You know, even even Totonoshin was like, you know, I expected to have at least another two years in me, and then look what happened with him. Um, at this point, we don't really know how bad that injury is. Inner thigh injury doesn't really sound like something that's too serious to me, but I'm not a thiologist, so <laughs> I can't really say one way or the other. I mean, if it's 
the muscles that you you know need to uh, do a good tachi or the muscles you need to True. like you know absorb a tachi or to like plant yourself. I mean that would suck, and if you agitate it, that would suck even more. So mm-hmm. I mean I, I get it. And he's got a crazy tachi eye. So he may just end up turning out like Toch was for this last handful of years, where he's just a Maegashira staple. Um, you know, since he did have to pull out of this Basho, um, I don't know, like, where he's going to be in the rankings. I don't I, even I think remember he, what it was I, He before. typically makes his way to the joy. Yeah. yeah he's, he's, got the, he's got the skills to pay them bills. That's the thing. He hasn't, like, resorted to, like, a, a self-abandoning, like, lackluster brand of sumo. Like, I feel Tochi Noshin had for the last three years or so, where it was mm-hmm. just, I can't do the big power strength stuff that I used to because I don't have the power left in my legs. And so I'll I'll adapt and I'll push and I'll pull more or whatever. I mean, Takeyasu's always had a fair amount of push and pull, but it's not really his MO. And and his style hasn't really diminished. It's just that there are clearly tournaments where he does not have the same power and the same rhythm because he's battling being hurt. And then there are tournaments where he does and he gets 12 wins. I mean, he's he's still in that range. So I think if he does hang out in the middle Maigashira, at least for a while, it'll be... Not for the same reasons as Tochi. It'll be more of an off and on thing than like a a consistently mediocre style, <laughs> you know? which is sort of where Tochi had to go. Tochi was great. I don't want to. Yeah. No one want to get mad at me, but, but <laughs> end, it happens to every week. Uh, yeah, if they get mad at you, they can deal with it themselves. Go jerk yeah, off. I'm just. I'm scared of Tochi Noshin fans. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I understand. They're they're aggressive. They yeah. They- they can be pretty aggressive. And I I know I have a habit of counting people out before their time. Like I had said last year that I thought uh, Toach would be retiring soon. And then it took until now for it to actually happen. You jinxed him. Uh, <laughs> no, I was with you on that. I Everybody really thought retires that eventually. dude was out. Yeah. I think I thought he was going to retire in 2021 and then he didn't. And I was like, well, by 2022, he'll be gone. And then he wasn't. And then, you know, like I had said that about... Tochi Noshin, I had said it about Aoyama, who's still fucking trucking around. Yeah. Um, I think I had said it about Okinomi, which that one played out. Kaisei. Um, I would, it, no one would be foolish enough to ever suggest Tamawashi's going to bow out because he'll be around forever. But, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, like we are, we're reaching, that's kind of how I'm feeling about this tournament. And I'd like to talk about it. I feel like this tournament has the, the potential to be the beginning of the end of the transitionary period that Sumo has been in since I started watching, right? Because when I started watching, we began to see the practically full-time sitting out of the two Yokozuna, who then within a year had both retired after participating very little. We got one new Yokozuna, and lone Yokozuna is a very rare time in Sumo. It doesn't happen very often. We haven't had it since Asash... No, Hakuho had a period um, as lone Yokozuna for... A couple years. After spent a lot of time retired, as... he had a period as Lodio Kazuna too. Yeah. Before Taka um, or Terano Fuji. Oh yeah, I guess yeah. that's right. So he had yeah. two because he was just—I mean, he's Haku. He was around forever. Yeah. He can't do everything more than everything. <laughs> um, but it—it uh, it is unusual, and it does sort of feel like the the narrative is ne- a little nebulous right now. Terano Fuji was the main character of Sumo for. A period of about half a year, I would say, um, for, for pretty much 2021, I guess. Like, I think it was November 2021 that he had his Zen show, you show. I believe that that is the peak of Terano Fuji's career. 
I don't think that he will. I don't think he'll have another Zen Show You Show unless he does it now, which would be cool. I'm for yeah. it. Yeah, but I don't think it happen. <laughs> I think his best days are behind him. He maybe will get another You Show or two or something because he's looking pretty good. But I, I think we're just all sort of scrambling to find out who is going to be the next main character of Sumo for a while. And yeah. with the return of Asanoyama. With so many people in position to finally move up to Ozeki, and they're like strong candidates, candidates that seem like they could really be worthy of it. With the arrival of guys like Ochi, Hokuseho really impressing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, even further threads down the line that I hope to see move up, like Ono Sato, who I'd like to talk oh, about. Oh, hell yeah. Um, you know, it feels like this could really be the turning point, depending on how things plan out. What I'd really like to see, of course, is for Asano Yama to challenge Terunofuji for the Yusho at the end of the tournament, which yes. was going very swimmingly until today. Still could happen, but, you know. <laughs> um, and uh, for me, that would be exactly the change I want. In my dream, my fantasy world, I want to see Asano Yama make it back to Ozeki. I want to see him push for Yokozuna. I want to see him hang out there for just a little bit while other people like... Um, I don't know that I see Kiribayama as a Yokozuna but I definitely see him as an Ozeki. Um, and maybe, you know, Hoshoryu kind of figures his shit out a little bit better. And we get guys like Kotonowaka kind of finally moving forward. People like Hokuseho working up, etc. As we sort of put in place the pieces that will really come to battle it out in the coming era, the younger guys. Yeah. Asa, if he makes Yokozuna at this point, will not be Yokozuna for super long because he's almost 30 and that's just how that goes. But I don't think he's diminished in his time off like everyone wants him to have. I think uh-huh. he is pretty much just as good, if not in some ways a little better than he yeah. was when he left. Obviously, that hasn't been put to the test completely. But if that is the case, I think that he has definitely what it takes to, at the very least, make it back to Ozeki. Um, and I'm hoping that we get to see the murmurs of that here. And oh, now that I've oh, said yeah. it out in the open, Asanoyama is probably going to lose the next seven days. In <laughs> <laughs> and, Just knock on wood. Uh, well, he's, you will get another Zen show you show, but yeah. He's Maigashira 14 right now, so to get back to Ozeki, he's going to have a few more tournaments he's going to have to get through. I doubt they're going to really push him up super far after this one. Um, you know, maybe the higher Maigashira, uh, he's, I think he's probably going to end up in the joy by next Basho, mm. but we'll just have to wait and see. One other... A uh, dude who had pulled out for this Basho was Indo. He ended mm. up pulling out on day six. Uh, he had uh, his battle with Midori Fuji on day six, which left both of his knees sprained. <laughs> which sounds like it's very un- a-, a very uncomfortable thing to happen. Like, how do you even walk with two sprained knees? Oh man, I don't know. Was it the bout the bout with Midori Fuji that did it, or did it happen before? And it was just the bout with Midori Fuji was the straw that broke the camel's back. Good question. I, because I remember watching that bout, and I saw him land like off the dojo, and it didn't look like he really because he landed on his feet. It didn't look like he really like landed rough or anything. Isn't he at like zero and six right now? Or wasn't whenever he withdrew, did he win anything? Uh, I'd have to look it up. Honestly, I don't pay much attention to Indo outside, <laughs> outside of the butt pillow. Um, just because he's he's one of those middling sort of rikshi. A lot of people are big fans of Indo. And I guess like earlier on in his, his sumo career, he... Um, 
you know, caught the eye of, of a lot of fans, but as of right now, eh, I, I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, I don't think about Endo. I don't. Yeah, I would like an Endo butt pillow, but <laughs> if there's a Kiribayama butt pillow out there, I'd rather have that one. <laughs> oh, you're Kiribayami. <laughs> okay, so I don't think that this Basho is really turning out like some people expected it to. I know a lot of people were kind of skeptical about Terano Fuji's return. Oh, yeah. But as of today, he is the only Rikshi that's 8 0. He's the only one with the Kachikoshi and the Makauchi, right? Yep. Yep. So he's basically throwing salt in the faces of everyone who's doubted him and dislocating everyone's arms in the process. <laughs> uh, he, he's been doing a lot of this, um, like, arm locking. Uh, maneuver. What did you say it was called again? Oh, the Kimadashi. Kimadashi. Yeah. It looks fucking painful. Oh, honestly. You could tell, I guess, you know, because he's had so many problems with his knees, he's been working on his upper body. His fucking shoulders look like the goddamn Pizza Hut roof or some shit. <laughs> it's, it's fucking insane. Oh my god. <laughs> his Pizza Hut lats. Yes! Oh I'm glad to see Terano Fuji in, like, in better form, though. You know, I'm glad he's doing so good and just completely dominating like a Yokozuna should. Yeah, he's reminding everybody. I'd like to remind everybody that I was one of the few people on Twitter saying, I can't wait for him to come back and put everyone in their place. And everybody who chimed <laughs> in was like, he'll be out by day five. He is broken. He's sad. This is going to be the last tournament he ever complete or he ever, like, participates in. Like, he's done. His goose is cooked. And I was just like, I just don't see it. I mean, even when he was last in and going the distance on a tournament, he was picking up more wins, but he wasn't like, I mean, he was picking up fewer wins in all, like getting 11 or whatever when we were used to seeing him get 12, 13. Um, but it, it, he didn't look helpless. He just looked like those guys who sort of have a style of sumo that is kind of his weakness were looking strong against him. And while we haven't seen those guys well, okay, that's not entirely true. I mean, Abby just fucking shit the bed. Abby <laughs> uh, just slipped under his own feet and fell over immediately, which was really frustrating because that would have possibly been a solid test of like the where Teru's at. Even though Abby hasn't really fought like he used to since his Yusho, his I think his elbows might be screwed up, and he just he, doesn't have the power. He did defeat three out of the four Sekiwaki in this Basho already. Abby did. Abby did, yes. Right, but it was all with bullshit, right? <laughs> it, was, it was with sad, annoying, very villainous <laughs> And, I mean, because it's Abby, I kind of smile and laugh at it. Like, one of my favorite <laughs> memories watching Sumo was when, I, I don't remember, there are so many to choose from, I don't remember which Abby Hanka it was, but I know it was one of the really important ones. And the Smeagol announcer <laughs> in horror as it happened at the very beginning of the match. He just goes, Abi Henkada! He was, he was incredulous, and I loved it. I laughed my ass off um, at the horror. But um, so, yeah, Abi could have been a good test if he was like real peak Abi. I think we're viewing a totally like a changed Abi, and I think you just have to get used to him being the worst. Um, <laughs> Abi's but, like Chiyoshoma. Oh, God. Yeah. Except he's and it's true, a lot of the guys, I'd say everyone but Abi and Shodai, have been people where I would give Terra no Fuji a 95% chance of beating under any circumstances. And he has. However, 
There are still a handful of guys who can test him, and we haven't exactly gotten a good gauge on his condition. Um, I think Terunofuji is at such a level beyond the rest of his competition that he does not need to be even really close to fully fit to impose his brand of sumo and find wins. But do I think he can deal with a very on-form Daesho who's possibly reaching, a, I mean, new heights in his career? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Put together an Ozeki run. That's awesome. Like, that's like a brand new chapter for Daesho. And Daesho was like Terunofuji's second worst enemy in the first place. I yeah. don't believe Tamawashi is ranked high enough to deal with him, so he doesn't have to worry about that. But he does have Meisei tomorrow. And I keep talking about Meisei being a possible candidate. And everyone on Twitter is like, Meisei, what the hell are you talking about? And I'm like, have you guys forgotten? Do you watch Sumo? Do you remember <laughs> when Meisei rocked Terunofuji's shit last year? I think it was last year. But I mean, he really took him out. And Meisei has looked really good. Meisei was one of the joint leaders until today. Yeah. Um, Meisei has no fear about injuring someone or exacerbating <laughs> <laughs> they say he's a very, he's a rough rider like that's his style he is aggro and he's done the job before so all these clowns I'm saying <laughs> clowns all these clowns who are like let's wait to see what Kiribayama and Hoshoryu can do oh, <laughs> it's embarrassing Kiribayama and Hoshoryu have never beat Terunofuji and it's because they try to fight Terunofuji on Terunofuji's terms and they are tiny compared to him and they are weak compared to him and it like I mean it I have a long-running theory that those guys, plus Wakataka Kage originally, but just sub out his brother, because that's where we're at now, will never be able to beat this man. And I would love to see that change, because it would convince me that they really maybe are ready to move on to the next level of Ozeki. But if they keep doing things the way they've been doing, it's not going to end up any different. Look at Tobizaru. Tobizaru ended up with a fucking double inside and got Kimedashi carried out again. I know that's happened before because I memed it last time it happened. <laughs> it's like everyone forgot, or it's like everyone had a year to think about how to beat Terra no Fuji, and nobody fucking did. They <laughs> the same shit that doesn't work. Um, so, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll start to see things ramp up in week two for sure. He'll get oh, yeah. to opponents, but I don't know that there are that many people that he's going to fight left unless he gets Asanoyama, who has also never beaten him, but Asanoyama, for reasons that I would think would be obvious, has to me much more potential to defeat Terunofuji, because just like Kiri and just like Haas, he plays the same game, but Asanoyama is almost as strong as Terunofuji and vastly less hurt than Terunofuji. So I think he has a much better shot at it. Doesn't mean he'll do it for sure. It's what I want to see more than anything. I don't care about those other guys fighting him. I want to see that matchup this time. Oh, yeah. Yes, definitely. And uh, I mean, even though Asanayama is only Maegashiro 14 right now, he is like the runner-up, along with Meisei, to Terunofuji currently. So I think there is a very good chance they're going to go up against each other. Real quick, though, you did mention Wak uh, Wakataka Kage earlier. I um I for I forgot about Wakataka Kage. That was fast. <laughs> Down for one tournament. We've already. <laughs> yeah, it's just like he's he's Kujo for a while due to his knees, and then so, it's just like, oh, what about his brother? Where's his brother? Oh, there he is. So if anybody's wondering what happened to Wakataka Kage, he got injured pretty bad. He's gonna have to sit out uh several. It was like tournaments. Bad actually. knee injury. I think they said like a year. 
yeah, it's it's going to be a while. I don't know if it's going to be a full year, but it's definitely going to be a big hit to his sumo career. And I mean, we'll we'll see what happens and how he ends up coming back from that. Oh, yeah. But uh, if you haven't heard the news yet, that's what happened to Wakataka Kage. <laughs> the new Wakataka Kage is now Wakamoto Haru. <laughs> so moving on to Asado Yama, whom we al- also just mentioned. Uh, he is at 7-1 right now. Some notable things have ha- been happening with Asanoyama, such as on day three. Uh, so many people, including the Gyoji, had assumed on day three that Kotoeko had narrowly won this bout against the former Ozeki. But a Monoe was called that culminated in the reversal of the Gyoji's decision. The reason given was that even though Asanayama's forearm and Kotoeko's foot touched outside the dojo at the same time, the fact that both of Kotoeko's feet were in the air outside of the bounds of the ring in an unrecoverable position made him the loser and Asanoyama the winner. Even Hiromorita had said the next day that Kotoeko was robbed. I, I do feel he got robbed on that one. But I mean, you that's think so? that dead body rule. It's so arbitrary when they pull it out, though. Yeah, I always like, I guess I didn't really understand what the dead body rule really was. A lot of people don't, honestly. I thought you had to be in a more like horizontal falling over position for it to count as the dead body rule. But he was pretty vertical. He was just kind of mid jump, you know, and the, the fact that his Feet had passed the imaginary vertical uh, boundary of the dojo, boundary of the dojo yeah. is what caused him to lose. Even though, uh, I mean, some people say that Asanayama did hit a split second before um, that happened. I don't know, man. I've watched the replay so many times, and I can't even figure out like how the judges came to that decision. I know. I would have said Tori Naoshi. That's what I would have said. A lot of people would have just, yeah, said, hey, let's do a rematch. This is too close to call. But I think they're really gunning for Asanayama to climb back up the ranks as fast as possible because they are uh, a bit worried about what's going on in the higher ranks. So I've said it many times, and it's that the... Dead body rule is one of the only things regarding sumo that I have sought out an explanation for in many different ways and for many different people, and have come to the conclusion that no one really knows how it is supposed to work. Right? Um, Because I have gotten radically different explanations, and I have gotten, I have seen that rule invoked in scenarios that are entirely different from from each other. Um, However... The one instance in which I believe everyone does agree on the dead body rule is that it is largely, it it largely exists in situations specifically where you have wrestlers who may be partially inside the dojo or who have not touched down, but who have no body parts left on the ground. Both feet are in the air, their entire body is in the air, because it exists to prevent Rikishi from essentially swan diving into the audience so that they can get as much hang time as possible and win matches that way. If you have both of your feet off of the ground and one of those feet 
or maybe even enough of your body, I'm not really sure, again, ambiguity, is outside of the bounds of the Tawara, or even outside of the bounds of the whole Dohyo, nothing of you is touching it, then you are considered to have lost in that moment. And arguably that's what happened here. The thing is, I think when you watch the slow-mo, though, even the... I mean, I, I haven't gone back and looked at it because it just pisses me off. But uh, <laughs> even if you watch the slow-mo, I feel like I was watching it going like, okay, but Asa still touched down before that second foot was off the ground. Right. I, I mean, I might not be right about that. If both of Kotoeko's feet really were off the ground before Asa's forearm hit, then... I am fine with this call, and I I don't see it as being extremely inconsistent, but I don't even remember if that's really what happened. The reason that I'm upset about it is not because I'm a Kotoeko fan. I mean, I like Kotoeko because I like Sorogatake Stable. They all wear great belt colors. They're cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's because fans of a certain voluptuously beshouldered recently retired Eastern European wrestler <laughs> use this call as a motivation to bring up their long-held grudge concerning a certain ruling back in the the Donald Trump Cup, if everyone remembers. Oh, I remember that. (laughs) Involving a heel which may or may not have touched outside the bounds of the dojo and may or may not have ultimately led to the you show being decided in, in one way or another. But, you know, those particular fans, like I said, are very passionate. And um, they'll never forgive Asanoyama for that incident. And they will use anything that they can get to scream that there is a favoritism for this Rikishi. But what I don't like about that is that, number one, he has literally mollywopped until today every single other Rikishi he had fought in Makauchi, including Kotoeko. That match was Asanoyama in the driver's seat and Kotoeko hail marrying at the edge. It was Asanoyama steamrolling Kotoeko as he steamrolled with seven or six other people uh, over the course of the first eight days. And so, I mean, I'm not mad at it. And to claim that this is evidence of a favoritism about a Rikishi who was just suspended for a year, I think is pretty goofy. He is an extremely talented Rikishi and all of his wins since the return from his suspension, (laughs) with the exception of this weird call that was completely out of his hands, have been extremely convincing. I mean, extremely convincing. He's shrekking people. (laughs) <laughs> I, I bet if you ask them, hey, can you tell me other instances of Asanoyama favoritism? They would have precisely two examples. Koto Echo from the other day and a <laughs> touchdown from 2019. So that's why I'm annoyed about it, just because it's brought forth a discourse that I don't care for. I don't think he's being favored. I know that people look at him as the next Yokozuna prospect, but they don't look at him because they like his ass. They look at him that way because he's fucking incredible at the sport of sumo. And yes, this was a weird call. Yes, it was kind of suspect. Yes, if they had a Tori Naoshi, Asanoyama would have fucking won again. So like, (laughs) I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's it's hard to find nuance in the sumo fandom a lot of the time, but, (laughs) you know, (laughs) that's that's why we keep you around, Noah. (laughs) We have to ask you the hard-hitting questions. You know, I got the hard-hitting answer. Hell yeah. And we like it hard. Sorry. <laughs> no, I think it's time to to go ahead and just wait and see what happens with Asanayama for the second week of this Basho. We're moving on to Meisei. Um, I mean, I didn't really 
have a lot to say about Maysay. He's the other seven in one right now. Um, the only thing I really have for notes on him is that he's clearly trying to climb back up after losing Komasubi in January. I took a quick look at his uh, his record over the past several tournaments, and it's been kind of flip floppy. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts well, on Maysay? When Maysay's on, he's on, and he is totally aggro. Just he throws himself at people. He just launches his entire being at people, and he's always. If you look at his face real close, he's always all beat up and has like bruises and scratches and shit. And so that that's what he does. He just plops into people with his head and you know he's a cannonball and that's just kind of what he does but sometimes that cannonball style could be you know easily deflected but he's also not a hundred percent committed to the cannonball thing it's why i was not originally a big meisei fan because if you remember there's a period a year or so ago where he was at sekiwake for like four consecutive tournaments yeah really impressive um but he only got i think he only got sort of like eight and sevens nine and sixes during that time, and he would kind of like cheese his way to the goal post. He would he would get a little bit a little bit um, backwards moving, a little bit slap downy, a little bit like sumo that pisses me off to get the wins that he needed to stay safe at the rank. And he did that for a while, and then eventually he lost it anyway, um, which is a shame because, like you said, when he is when he is being aggressive and he is he is activating his positive sumo, it is a very very strong. I mean, he's a very strong Rikishi. We've yeah. seen a lot of cool variation in his wins so far, from huge charges to crazy weird throws. I mean, a lot of shit so far this time. Um, But I think it's his tendency to fall back on some bad habits that has kept him out of the proper Sanyaku and kept him out of, like, being really one of my favorites. But I do remember the last time he beat Terano Fuji in the lead-up to that tournament, Really, in the in the lead up to that match, like watching the the back and forth before the match started, I was sitting there thinking to myself, like, well, if Mesa doesn't have a fucking chance in hell, this guy's gonna get, you know. <laughs> and then I thought to myself, like, right before the match started, I went, his charge has been really strong lately. And then, wham! I mean, he knocked Teru back from the onset and took complete control of the match. After that, he grabs him, like I think, with an underhand, swings him over, and then just rushes him out. <laughs> <laughs> it was a one-sided defeat of the Yokozuna. So we know Mesa has that potential, or these people who remember do. Twitter seems to yeah. fucking forget. But, um, uh, and I hope to see that. I'm not saying it's a guarantee. I don't want anyone to come here tomorrow, listen to this episode, and be like, you stupid bitch, you fucking lost. But, <laughs> because at the end of the day, what I can always recognize is that this is sumo wrestling. It is the most volatile sport in the history of sports. Because everything happens within seconds, and it's extremely easy to lose. And so, yes, there's a, at least as good a chance that Maysay loses as he does wins. There's probably even a better chance that he loses than he does wins. But I think he has a better chance of winning, or at least giving Terunofuji a run for his money, than uh, six of the eight guys Terunofuji has fought so far. If he ends up beating Terunofuji in their upcoming match, that's going to be him, Asanoyama, and Terunofuji at the top with... Eight and one. No, wait. Seven. Eight and one. Yeah, eight and one. If Sorry. Beat Numbers are hard, guys. <laughs> so it's going to be the three of them at the top with eight and one. Of course, we do have an entire other week to get through. So um, I guess I'd just like to point out that you are you are jumping the gun. Asano <laughs> Yama is going to be able to defeat Ryuden tomorrow. Oh God! <laughs> he might have his work cut out for him. Um, <laughs> <sighs> With Ryuden. 
<laughs> I I just can't take that seriously. I'm sorry. <laughs> Moving on. Booted. <laughs> so, we, we do have uh, quite a few guys that are at six and two right now. Six wins, two losses. Uh, one of those being Mio Giryu, which is pretty impressive. You know, he's a uh, Magashira 14 right now, same as Asano Yama. If Mio Giryu takes the Yusho, I'm killing myself. <laughs> same now moving on we also have hokuseho at six and two he's currently in migashira 11 <laughs> yes he's actually become a new favorite for a lot of people uh i have some some interesting bouts here from his first week day four oh god Day four, he went up against Ryudin. <laughs> <laughs> Ryudin, of all people, uh, really appeared to give him a run for his money somehow. But really, all he had to do was just stand there and let the little troll tire himself out before executing an Watanage on his ass and then landing on his face for good measure. <laughs> like his full body, like torso to face. It was mwah, beautiful. <laughs> Sabrina's all like, she's like, yeah, cheat on your wife with that. <laughs> I've got a great baseball match from the 2000s if you ever want to see it. It involves Kocho Nawaka's dad, Kocho Nawaka. Yeah. And he eats a guy over and they both land like scrape on the face. Oh. And you can tell afterward that they're like, fuck, Jesus. Like they're just not. They've been rocked. God damn, yes, send that to me. I want to see that. <laughs> All right, then we have Hokuseho going up against Surugisho. Uh, Surugisho gave oh. him uh, his second loss on day seven with a nice, strong, hard Tachi eye thrusting all of his weight into the younger man, which drove him back and out of the ring. I was pretty much surprised. <laughs> talk about why I love Surugisho, of all people. Oh, hell Please yeah. Do, because yes. I was a bit this surprised is, by this. This is one of my, the guys that I do sincerely root for, who it seems like no one else even gives a shit about. And it's because Surugisho, I believe when he made the top division, he did an interview where he he spoke in a way that was uncharacteristically braggadocious of a rikishi, which is already funny just looking at him. I'm charmed by delusional people. Like, <laughs> it's why I am a fan of DJ Khaled and Burt Kreischer. Like, because they're completely out of their minds with their own self-concept in a way that's mostly <laughs> unearned. And there's no telling them otherwise. And that, I find that endearing. But Tsurugisho was talking about how he had, like, seven different styles of Tachi-Eye that he could mix it up to really get the jump on his top division opponents this time. Oh my god. And the thing is, one of those styles of Tachi-Eye, my favorite, which we saw, I think yesterday, is the Tsurugi Show patented Big Man Hanka. He, yeah. <laughs> he will full-on leap out of the way, and he always looks ashamed afterwards. He's almost looking around like, he talks all that shit, but you can tell inside he doesn't really feel it. And it's hilarious. Also, he's like 400 pounds, and he's fucking darting out the way of someone Chiyoshoma's size. Like, that's embarrassing. Yeah, he's but fucking I love quick. It. Yeah, he... Anyway. I 
I mean, I guess I've been one of those people that's been kind of sleeping on Surugisho because he's a lot faster than I remember him being. I know you guys are not gonna <laughs> prompt me to talk about Surugisho because, again, most people don't remember he's in sumo right now. And I wanted to take the time to sing. No, I appreciate that. No, we really let do. us acknowledge Surugisho. <laughs> yes, I, I mean you did such a good job of of uh, talking up Surugisho that I forgot we were originally talking about Hokuseho. So. <laughs> <laughs> He's great. No, All right, so is a real winner, and people talk about Hokuseho a lot for obvious reasons. His story's amazing, and he's also the tallest guy we've seen in the top division in ten years or something. I mean, since well, actually. Ooh. I mean, he's taller than Koto Oshu, so possibly in, like, like 20 years. So, yeah, people talk about him a lot, and for good reason. But there's still... And I was one of these, like, two years ago, I was I was in the same camp where I was like, Hokuseo Sumo looks bad. This has to fall apart at some point. And it just hasn't fallen apart and hasn't fallen apart and hasn't fallen apart. And I'm yes. now just fully on board. I'm like, let's watch what this kid can do. Let's watch him grow. Let's see if the people who can take advantage of the theoretical disadvantages that everyone on Twitter says Hokuseho should have with his style. Let's see if they actually start to do that. And I think you see him get losses mostly because he kind of has a history of letting people do their worst. He he is a little too passive. He's not defensive from the onset. Like he will give people their grip if it means getting his grip and contest it. And if you have a significantly heavy or a significantly strong opponent, then from their favorite position, I mean, they can move you around. It was good and reassuring to see him acknowledge that Asano Yama was someone with whom he simply couldn't do that. And so he took a different strategy and he altered his Tachiai in a way that would block out Asano Yama's preferred position so that he could take a charge from the beginning. It shows us that he is thinking about those things and he is learning. And hopefully he will get less passive about that as time goes on. And that will start to close up the few cracks, I think, in his game right now. Now, I do want to see him go against people who are more technically savvy. He hasn't fought a lot of those guys. And the ones that he have have been, like, so small. I would like to see a guy like this fight the Kiribayamas and the Hoshoryus and yes. see what they can try to do against someone of his size and style. I don't know that it'll necessarily be anything amazing, but you you hearken back to how Wakanohana would deal with Akebono and how cool some of those fights were. Oh, and yeah. We don't have any Wakanohanas in the top division these days, but it would be cool to see some things kind of along those lines. Yeah, and I think that, like, what would be... A, a bad maneuver for a, a shorter Rikshi or someone who's not built like Hokuseho is, is really just, you know, more useful for someone of his size. It's It might not work for someone else, but it's working for him, clearly. Yeah, well, he is Groot. Yeah. And we have, <laughs> we have had at least one Rikishi who had kind of a similar approach. In terms of the big overarm grip, like that weird, like literally but, around their back. It's not around the side. It's not on the front. It's, just, it's around their back. Yeah. Grip that he uses to like train people around. There was an Ozeki in the nineties called Takano Nami, who was a stablemate of Takanohana, and he was six six, and he did a lot of the same stuff. Now he had a whole other bag of tricks that were made him, you know, like probably patently better Rikishi. He could do a lot of shit with his legs. He liked trips. He liked leg-assisted throws and all this. But he also would favor like a double outside, like over the back grip, which most people would hate a double outside. But because he was just so much taller than most of his competition, he could swing people around like that. And that's what we're seeing Hokuseho yeah. do. 
And that's what I was talking about is like, it wouldn't work for someone built differently, but for him, it works perfectly. Right. It's a new set of rules. I think people are trying to think too conventionally when people Hokuseho's size are very rare, they're real outliers, and we need to think more creatively in terms of like what his real weaknesses are or why his apparent weaknesses are actually strengths. Right, exactly. Like one thing that people note a lot is how how straight he stands up. Yeah, okay? he is like for standing shorter, straight up. For a shorter rikshi, that is a dangerous position to be in because it's easier to knock you off balance that way. For someone who's that fucking tall, though, <laughs> I mean, it, it doesn't matter if your legs are completely fucking tree trunk straight because you're still going to be able to like overpower them from the top, you know? Right. And you get to activate your height and therefore activate the power of your legs in assisting your lift. Like when I do, even when me, when I do amateur sumo shit in my backyard at a much and embarrassingly low level, um, (laughs) I am six foot three. So I am taller by a fair margin than most of the people that I do it with. I mostly fight my brother who's like three inches shorter than me. And, um, you know, I can't really get a lift off unless I am essentially standing up straight because you need to really activate the full potential of your height difference. I mean, unless you're so physically strong, you can lift someone solely with your arms that weighs, uh, you know, my brother's only like 190, so nothing compared to Rikishi, but lifting 190 pounds up in this way uh, would require a freakish <laughs> amount of strength. It'd be very hard to do. Yeah. Um, and I certainly can't do it, so I have to stand up straight and almost lean back to be able to get him up. Hokuseho, from a standing position, is already utilizing a substantial height advantage um, and then he has that strength that he can, in his arms, that he can kind of, you know, pair with that. And that's why you get him just swinging people around and defending in these crazy ways. And then even rolling over the likes of Asanoyama. Like, it's cool. I'm, I yeah. want more people to just get on board with this dude. Hell yeah. Next dude we have at six wins, two losses is Hirata Umi, who is currently at Maegashira's, sorry, Maegashira 9. Uh, he gained his second loss on day five to Hokuseho, whom we just discussed. Uh, he gave Meisei his only loss on day eight, tossing his ass off like a sack of potatoes before strutting back to collect his prize. He did He did strut. Like, that post-throw strut was like... I really love how Hiradaumi is developing that huge cheeseburger gut. Yeah. Kind of like yeah. Ura. He's he's using it to his advantage too. Once when oh, he, he gets totally in like is. into close quarters, but he's just mainly a you know pusher thruster kind of guy. But Hirota Umi is growing on me like a fungus. <laughs> no, we've been we've been following Hirota Umi since uh, since he was in Jurio, I think. Right? Yeah. Do you got any thoughts on Hirota Umi? No, not really. Okay, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> he's under the radar guy for me. He hasn't done anything super standout yet. I mean, I know he's yeah. a big power lifter. Like he's big into weights. Um, there was this cool program that they had last year where they got some rikishi and had them do like strength courses that involved, I mean, part of it involved pushing a Jeep over like these speed bumps. And oh. um, they were, of, I think, differing like heights. And the only two rikishi, I mean, they didn't have everyone involved, but the only two that were involved that were able to do it and complete the course were Miyogi Ryu, who is known for being a big power lifter, and Hirado Umi, who make, I mean, it makes sense. He's a young guy and he's, Clearly jacked, like his shoulders oh, yeah. and his yeah. are like starting to devour his neck. Um, <laughs> but, you know, nothing about his sumo so far has, he hasn't had a big breakthrough tournament where I feel like I should be paying him a lot of thought. Good that he's doing well. I don't expect him to, you know, 
to be in the you show race by the end maybe he'll get a double digit winning score here and it'll yeah. be that kind of breakthrough tournament i don't know i just I, I this is you telling me he's six and two this is news to me i hadn't even paid <laughs> i can i can maybe see him in the joy by next spa show for sure Where's he at right now he's... uh he's currently at migashira nine okay so. yeah sure yeah, I can see him getting up there, but uh, I think it's actually time for us to talk about all these damn sucky walking now. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> first, we have Dia Show, also at six and two. Uh, day five, he sustained his first loss against Abby. Dia Show was immovable as Abby struggled to, well, struggled to move him. You know what? I really got to start uh, proofreading my <laughs> notes here. Uh, until eventually Daesho goes full juggernaut on him, charging forward. So Abby just steps to the side and lets him fly out. Villain! <laughs> <laughs> I love that Abby is becoming like the new heel. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but I love a bad boy, so. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't made me dislike him. I think if it was anybody else, I would by now, but I'm just like, oh, that, that dog of mine, you know? <laughs> Daesho, you know, I really didn't expect him to to lose that way. <laughs> but I guess every once in a while, you know, things well, that's go his, the way that's that you... his thing, right? Like he lost to Kirabayama that way twice in a row. I mean, getting juked at the edge is it's it, so there was this did you guys watch that excellent sumo salon they put out on like Oshizumo like a couple months ago? Huh. No. They did like a whole like 45-minute feature on on pushing and thrusting. And oh, they yes. talked in depth about Daesho and they talked in depth about Chio Taikai. And what was interesting was it it really contextualized for me what I think made Chio Taikai at a different level than like the Daeshos of today or the Fujizakuras of way back when people who kind of have a similar build and prefer Oshi, but like what is the factor that pushed him over the edge to be Chio Taikai's tied for longest reigning Ozeki of all time with Kayo. Um, so he was really up there for a long time. He won three Yusho. And it was that Chiyo Taikai would, would, um, he would sort of tease or bait his opponents with his initial Tsupari, right? Daesho uses Tsupari, but really he's more into, with Daesho, it looks like every thrust is full power, right? Mm-hmm. He wants to clear through you, punch a hole through you with every single arm movement. He does one at a time. They're a little bit slower as a result. And because of that, because he's all gas, no brakes, he can get sidestepped, he can get juked, and he will just keep going and he loses. Chio Taikai would hold back his power until the right moment. So Chio Taikai, if you watch him fight, he would hit with these very fast Tsupari that are only moving his opponent like inch by inch. He's not trying to blast them out. Not that he couldn't. It's that if you keep them at that specific range... And you're placing your thrusts in, in, in areas that aren't going to completely knock them over. Then number one, you have more control over your own body. But number two, you make them think that they can still get your belt. They think, okay, I'm, I'm still close enough. I'm within spitting distance. I've got to stay here in front of him and try to get that mawashi, which means they don't think to jump out of the way. And when he yeah. finally get them there towards the edge within that like killer range, he would amp up the power and knock them out before they had time to realize what was happening and jump out of the way. It's really brilliant, and I'd never put that together just through observation. I just thought Chiyotaika, I don't, I don't know, I just wondered if he didn't have the same power or what it was, but it was a decision he was making. And I think if Daesho could learn from that, he would patch up that weakness of his pretty well. 
I mean, it would obviously have its own drawbacks, but if he could learn to vary his power and vary his positioning strategically like that, he might be able to fill what is right now the big gap that I think has kept him from his new heights so far. Mm. That's a good point because uh, he really does. He's just like, what's that, that, that Frank Reynolds memes? I said, well, anyway, I just started blasting. Started blasting. That's just, uh, yeah, yeah, that's just kind of what he does. <laughs> And he does that, you know, and you were very, very apt in describing, you know, what he does and how easy it is, you know, to beat him. So he usually tries to uh, latch on to whoever he's fighting, like right at the beginning, you know, but if you're fast and agile enough, yeah, you can, you know, duck and dodge die. I guess I just I I don't pay enough attention to die. show. I don't I don't really know why. Like, even though he's a Sekiwaki who's in the higher ranks, like for me, I guess I just didn't expect a Sekiwaki to fall for something like that or to make that kind of mistake but um i i sometimes and i know people are gonna give me shit for this but i sometimes get him confused for mace you confuse daisho and mace i don't know why i don't know why i do i might have said that before they they do both have some intense battle faces but i i love daisho's battle faces like his mid battle just Scary. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. I don't know why, but Daesho is one of my guys. He's like one of my boys. I, I love watching Daesho, and I wish I could fight more like him, you well, know, and just, you know, just start blasting. <laughs> Speaking of dudes with angry looking faces, <laughs> we're moving on to Hosho Ryu, our second he's, Sekiwaki. He's not so angry, he just can't see. <laughs> he's squinting. I know, I know. We've talked about it before. <laughs> because people tried to pull that shit on me when I was talking about the Takeyasu thing. And I, I shut that, that down because they were, I was complaining that Hoshoryu 100% does this. Hoshoryu does not put his hands down first. He likes to pull rank and he likes to stare at the other person until they put their hands down. And he did this with Takeyasu last time for like 30 seconds. And he had done it with another opponent a few days prior. It's just a fucking thing he does. And I tweeted about that. I tweeted about him getting clowned on because he got destroyed. And some Hoshoryu fan was like, oh, we've been over this. How do you not know that he's just nearsighted? And I was like, no, that explains why he looks squinty and grumpy all the time. <laughs> why that bitch won't put his fucking hands down first. <laughs> 30 seconds like he's, the you know, holier than thou. Fucking so, Hako so, used to do that shit all the time, too. And- that's the thing. First of all, Hoshoryu is not Hakuo. Yeah. <laughs> he hasn't earned shit. And second, Hakuo fucking started it. It's one of those things that I really don't like because I didn't see it in the sort of pre-Hakuho, pre-Asashoryu era. I think that that particular machismo factor really came about around then. Hakuho would use it to his advantage because he, I mean, you know, if you get to start, you get to decide when the match starts, it's a big thing. But it's one of those things that I really don't care for, but it's really common in sumo now. I kind of wish we'd get rid of it. And I always figured, like, it would be better if you were the first one to put your fists on the ground, because then it's like, I'm ready for you, motherfucker. Come on, you know? But I don't get it, really, like, why that's become, for guys like Hakuho and I guess now Hoshoryu, like, why that's become such a big deal you know, like it's a, it's a mental thing. Are it's they just trying like, to like? It's like, ha! Oh, I made you bow down. You know. Okay, yeah. It's it's a fucking pissing contest, basically. It sounds so, like kind of what I, I think. And I think it does give <laughs> a very slight advantage. But I think if you're the and, higher ranked guy, you should not need an advantage. You shouldn't demand deference from other people. Hakuo right. didn't need an advantage. Hakuo didn't need people to put their hands down first. He's fucking Hakuo. Like, right. why did he do that? He wouldn't have. He would have been fine. <laughs> 
He's Akuho. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our next Sekiwaki at six and two is Kiribayama. On day three, he lost to Abi, who, <laughs> who actually, okay, this bout had me really questioning what the fuck was going on here because Abi looked like he rolled his ankle to the point where the top of his foot momentarily touched the ground. This was as he was like pushing Kiribayama out, but none of the judges seemed to notice at all. And then, you know, Abi went on to win by uh, Hikiotoshi. Matt says that, well, it, it didn't roll enough for the top of his foot to hit. I, think yeah, I didn't was... notice myself. I I don't recall, but I know that like top of the foot is a weird one because there have definitely been situations where like top of the foot is touching down because someone is essentially like diving forward, pushing someone out, but they don't get called on it because ultimately, I mean, like people are looking at arms or at stomach. But I have down. seen people get called on that before. I'm sure, um, and I know that it's in the rules. But I, yeah. I definitely, like, I would be surprised if I saw people, like, if I saw the internet make a stink about, like, a top of the foot thing, you know? Like, if they were like, that definitely touched down and people were really mad about it. I think it's one of those things that most people just let go. If it was the side of the foot, definitely people let go. Mm. Um, but I guess, you know, I don't know. I, you're making me want to rewatch the match. Do you remember what day was it? Yeah, it was uh, day three. I mean, I watched it. I didn't have a slow-mo version because I just watched it through the app, but it was really fast. Mm. Um, it looked in the very fast version that it was like a side of the foot. He, uh, he didn't scrape it forward, right? He, he definitely like landed on it weird. He like rolled it, yeah. Um, and frankly, I mean, ask yourself this. If they had given Kiribayama that win by going backwards in the match and saying the side of Abi's foot touched the ground, I, everyone would have said that was bullshit. Everyone yeah. would have said they're in desperate need of Ozeki and they are pushing this man to the front because that's the most ridiculous way to win a sumo match I've ever heard of. Like, I can definitely see that. There's yeah. no way they can start enforcing it to that extent, even if it is definitely in the rules. So yeah. th nobody did anything about it. It is what it is. Moving right along. Oh, there is actually one more notable uh, bout from Kiribayama. Day four busted out a hanka. During the Tori Naoshi with Nishiki Fuji, that definitely had a lot of people complaining. Yeah. As he had a weird one for the initial match, too. <laughs> he had a not straightforward Tachiai that two is, times in a row there. It wasn't straightforward, but it wasn't something I would have called a hinka, really. Agreed. Because if you connect and then you kind of like shift off to the side, the that's not shift. a Yeah, that's not yeah. a hinka. That's the old hit and shift. But the second time around, definitely a hinka. Um, and that's, you know, how he ended up winning that bout. But if if you've been doing sumo for this long and you don't know how to counter a hinka, then you deserve to get fucking I got hinkered today. Fucking yeah. Rick. Uh. Hinkered me. <laughs> Kick my ass. Rick's getting very quick. And yeah. I'm, I'm glad to see it. Uh, but anyway, moving on from that, we are going to talk about Wakamoto Haru. Oh, dimples. Our fourth guy. Sekiwake. At sexy two, um, honestly, <laughs> not doing bad at all for his first time at sexy walkie. Sexy walkie. Sexy walkie. Yeah, sexy walkie. Like, no wait. That dude is twenty nine. You know, he's almost thirty. He he got into the top division in his late twenties. 
in the shadow of his little brother. He has an extremely orthodox, normal, in my opinion, very likable brand of sumo. Yeah. Not a lot of tricks, except he is a ring edge master. He's got that uchari, oh, yeah. and he's got those those just twists in the last second. He's very good at that, which I think it. I mean, it's definitely like helped him stack wins. The Shodai match was the, like yes. I, I was like blinked and yes. what the day fuck? three um, he pulls off that fucking like twist at the Tawara against Shodai. Like Shodai had him against the Tawara, and then he just like the entire upper half of his body somehow does like a like a 180 and like he tosses Shodai behind him and it was just fucking beautiful. Yeah, I really like his style of sumo. I have been unconvinced that he necessarily has what it takes to go to the next level, but this tournament he's really looked like now that he is officially out of his brother's shadow, he is shining. I mean, he, he really almost seems yeah. like a different person because he's always very humble when he talks. He always talks about how Wakataka Kage is at another level than him, is much better, defeats him in practice and all these things, and he's just happy to be where he is. But he really looks like he's coming into his own, like he's realized all that he's accomplished and he's accepted it. Like there's sort of self-doubt that's been purged, which of course is the type of armchair speculation about men who have no expression on their face 20 <laughs> <Yeah>, right. <laughs> But it's the vibe I'm getting and it's why we're here. Um, and so I don't know, like I would really, I would think it is very cool to see someone of his size and with that style, you know, he's like a throwback. It would be really cool to see a throwback like that reach as far as Ozeki in this day and age. Yeah. Especially when his his chief competition are two very technical Mongolian Rikishi who have very Mongolian styles. And then, of course, just a beast pusher thruster, which is kind of like we see a lot of them hang out around the top these days is those guys who just really shove hard. I mean, it's it's an effective style if you're good at it. But it would be cool to have someone like that who <laughs> isn't that. He, he's not a razzle-dazzle rikishi. He's just fundamentals. Meat and potatoes. Little, with that little bit of an ogi up his sleeve. Yeah. You know, bust through. That would be, I'd be very happy. On day six, though, he did get his first loss against your favorite guy. It was Abby once again, slaying <laughs> a sucky walking. Oh, that's why he's a villain, because look who he's knocking wins away from. <laughs> All the people who actually matter. Abby's not contributing to the story in a positive way. He's not going to win another U show. He's not going to be Yokozuna. Nobody fucking gives a shit about Abby right now. So he's just here to he just, take wins away from everyone who could change the way, the, the way he's portraying Abby, I'm just imagining him with like a monocle in the very thin mustache like no, he looks like oh, fucking Dan backslide from the old 40s <laughs> cartoons like that and I like it um because it's it's him I don't know it's just something about it's amusing to me but yeah it is that that's yeah, that what's endearing me to Abby Toby Zaru is the same way though people love Toby Zaru but Toby Zaru hankered Hoshoryu it was hysterical <laughs> he looked super guilty afterward I mean that type of shit from those two guys in particular Toby Zaru is another dude who's a little delusional, but like, when <laughs> about it. have you seen his, you've surely seen the, the grip strength video from the Super Yeah, Bowl. yeah, yeah. When Toby Zaru goes in, completely straight faced. Every other Rikishi, they ask him like, you know, how do you think you do? And they're like, I hope I do my best. Toby Zaru goes in and they're like, how do you think you do? He goes, I'm going to set the record. And they're like, what? And he's like, I'm, yes, I'm going to, I'm going to beat it. And then he does it and he gets the worst score. Oh. <laughs> and it's like, it's the lowest one yet. And he goes, really? The lowest? That's interesting. 
He's like, yeah, he's great. I love that. That's great. <laughs> you mentioned Hoshoryu a moment ago. That's the last Sekiwaki I wanted to talk about. So he did get two of his wins. He's he's at six wins, two losses. He did get two of his wins by Fusinsho uh, because of Takayasu pulling out and then Endo. So, I mean, it's, I don't know. I just, I know everybody's been up Hoshoryu's ass for a long time now. <laughs> And and I just um, do you just not see the hype? You're not riding that whole show you train. I'll say he's he's good, but I don't know if he's like good enough to be. Um. <laughs> you don't you don't think that you think he's good, but probably not good enough to break the the boundary to get to Ozeki. Yeah, pretty much. You know, he might be able to get because you're ha- you're supposed to have like three. Uh, tournaments at like what is it? It's like it's like a yeah, it's like thirty three wins and three tournaments. Yeah, so he might be able to sustain it for like two tournaments, but then that third one, you know, you it, think he's just gonna flounder? Uh, it might still be a little while before we see Hoshoryu become Ozeki. I think he he does have what it takes, but I've only really gotten on board with it recently. There mm-hmm. was a couple tournaments ago, I think, when he got his first like. Solid double-digit score up in the, I don't know if he was Komusubi or if he was just in the Joy or what, but he was up high, and he got like 10 or 11 wins, and they were really solid wins. And then, and I mean, like, wins where it wasn't all Hoshoryu Sumo, because I felt like for a while he was a man who almost relied too much on throws. He waited for his opponents to either be in a bad position or generate their own momentum that he could use against them, which I think is an extremely useful skill to have when it comes to ultimately just trying to stack up wins. Like, I think you kind of need that extra dimension, but I also think you need a good amount of solid, regular sort of power forward sumo. I think you need to be able to take initiative and take control and not just react to people. Um, And... I haven't seen that aspect in him for a while until recently when he started to bulk up a little bit. He's at a solid weight now. And he has shown lately that he can do both things. And I think if you can do both things, then you've got the keys that you need. I mean, he's got really more than that. I think he might have the most techniques under his belt, maybe of anyone in the top division right now, which is like the most different Kimarite in his career. Um, he's got over 30, I believe. Kiribayama is close, but I think a little behind unless I have them flipped. I'm not sure. But, um, which is impressive because his career has not been super long. A lot of people will just rack up techniques because they'll get one here or there over the course of 15 years. Well, sure, he does them deliberately. He does them knowingly because he studied them. And so I think if he can take charge a little more often and, um, like impose his style impose, of sumo on him. Right. Yeah. That's the thing. The thing about guy like Hoshoryu to me has more of a style than Kiribayama, but it's almost because, and I don't love this, but it's true. It's almost because Kiribayama's style is nebulous. It's like without form. It is his style is adaptability. He'll hit you with the pushes out of nowhere. He'll pull the slap down. He'll move backwards, but he can also throw your ass. He can just move straight forward if he needs to. You never know what he'll hank. You never know what Kiribayama is going to do because he doesn't really like project himself in his sumo. And I think that's why he is showing the most consistency and success right now, because he will get wins to get wins. And I don't love that type of sumo. And it's probably why I'm not a big Kiribayama fan, but I acknowledge why he is such a strong candidate right now and why I think he will be Ozeki before this tournament is over. Hoshoryu is not quite the same. Hoshoryu, I think, 
needs to either like add that power level or just get even trickier. Like you never see <laughs> yeah. with the Oshizumo. He doesn't really have that element. Whereas Kiribayama uses pushes and thrusts as a means to kind of create openings pretty often. I mean, you know, you'll see it several times a tournament. I, I just, I, I think Hoshoryu needs a few extra dimensions and needs to think more forward. But I think if he can do that and, um, you know, he keeps his head in the right place, he'll get there. He's still young and impressive as he is at 24, but he's not like, um, everyone was like, he's 22 and he's at Komusubi, which I think yeah. maybe he was. And that was really impressive, but it, it's leveling out a bit. And I think we'll see him really hit his stride here in the near future. Our last guy at six wins, two losses is the currently Katabon <laughs> Ozeki Takakesho. Uh, he's honestly looking pretty likely to keep his Ozeki rank. He only oh, needs. Look oh, look at that. Wow. Nice. You know, I want to talk about Takakesho. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so he had, um, speaking of Hinkas, he had also busted <laughs> out a Hinka on day four against Indo. It kind of looked like maybe, I don't know, honestly, I'm not even going to speculate on what was going through his head that made him do that. Again, I'm I'm not the type of person that really, like, uh, hates the Hinka or anything, but I think I'm starting to understand why, like, an Ozeki or a Yokozuna, seeing it come from them is just kind of disappointing, you know? He's got to, he's kind of bad. He's got to get them wins, though. I mean, I don't blame him, shit. True. It, it's probably just desperation. Like, he's going to try to stay Ozeki by any means necessary. Uh, day five uh, actually caused some controversy when he went up against Tobizaru. The Gyoji gave Takakesho the win, even though it looked to everyone else like he had hit the ground before Tobizaru had landed outside the ring. Amonui resulted in the decision being reversed, giving Tobizaru the win. A lot of people had compared this to the bout between Asanayama and Kotoeko, but apparently it's not really that comparable just because both of Tobizaru's feet were still within the doyo when Takakesho landed. Right. So then it's not comparable at all. I don't. I right. saw a little bit of that too, and I was like, I don't know what you you guys aren't getting it. Like it was a clear win for Tobizaru. I mean, it is what it is. I don't love it. Tobizaru beats Takakesho kind of often, usually by mm. usually by like moving out of the way and slapping him down. But in this case, he got the belt, and that's we know how that goes. Just um, Tobizaru trickeration. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's what he does. It's yeah. hard to hate. <laughs> but it, it really does look like I think we're going to see Takakesho stay in his Ozeki position uh, for a little while longer, at least. Who knows? Yeah, he's he confused falls. the crap out of me this time around because when he came in, um, I was pretty convinced that he was in the worst shape we'd seen him compete in in a long time. He was more taped up than ever. He's got both knees with a significant amount of wrapping on him. And his injury from last time, from what I had heard, was pretty bad. It was not the type of thing you could turn around. And he also hadn't, like, practiced much at all, if at all, in the lead up to the tournament. And I was like, well, this is bad. This might be it. So when he started the tournament and he started with that weird tachi eye on Abi. People were saying like, oh, look at Takakesho, he's jumping out of the way, he's not going to be able to do this every day, he's doing it because he's weak. And I was like, well, no, this is Abi, right? Takakesho mm -hmm. has a serious weakness against Abi because he is completely outmatched in terms of range. Abi's six foot three, Takakesho's 
five foot nine, and Takeshi's arms are really short. Abi's are really long. We've seen it happen. Takeshi has to get creative to beat Abi, and he's done it in the past. And to me, I just saw that I saw that this could be as much a strategy for beating Abi as it was a strategy for trying to fight on an injury. And then when we got to the Hanka, I was like, oh, he's hurt. Because Takakesho has done one Hanka that I've ever seen before this. It was the controversial Hokuto Fuji thing um, a couple tournaments ago. And it's not really his style most of the time. And so I thought, okay, this must mean he's like seriously concerned about his own power. And also it was a smart move on Endo because Endo comes in extremely low. He likes to go for this like hooking uh, grab at the Tachi Eye that's kind of like an under frontal grip. I mean, it worked like a charm. But the thing is, since then... He's kind of looked like beast mode a little bit. I mean, whipping Midori Fuji's ass is not the most impressive because Midori Fuji's a little guy. But he also um, pummeled Ura. He pummeled Nishiki Fuji, who is, you know, six foot and 330 pounds. I mean, he's, an, he's a completely average-sized Rikishi with an aggressive style. Takakesho bullied him. Yeah. And then he blasted Shodai out of the ring. And, you know, <laughs> even though Shodai's record right now is not awesome... We're not dealing with dejected, depressed Shodai of the last year. We're dealing with a, I think, a very powered up Shodai. He is not a very comfortable Shodai. I mean, I don't think. I think him being able to move Shodai backwards in that way means that his power is stronger than we had anticipated. Mm. And so, I really don't know how this is going to end for Takakesho. I think it's pretty clear he's going to get his eight wins. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to get his eight wins in dip, which he's done before, um, or if he's going to. Like, just suddenly be an Ozeki and challenge for the Yusho. Like, I mean, if, if he was at full power and he had this record after this many days, we would all be assuming that he might be a key player in the title race. Yeah. But because of this injury, every I mean, I'm just kind of like question marks around my head. I, I don't know what to think about Keisho right now. I think yeah. he has Nishikigi tomorrow, which should be a win. He beats Nishikigi, I think, every time. Yeah. So, I mean, kind of a big lumbering target so he'll probably beat me <laughs> and uh that'll be seven wins and i mean he, he's i'm not worried about it. i was really worried about him at the beginning i was really worried i was so worried i wasn't even thinking about him it was almost like i had written it off i was just like i don't want to think about k-show it's gonna be a mess whatever and now he, he's, he's he's it's like he's he'll be all right he's still very yeah. talented and he knows what he has to do to get what he needs you know Hell exactly yeah. exactly very well put uh, there were a couple other notable bouts I did just want to touch on real quick. Uh, day four, Takanosho versus Tamawashi. Ooh. Yeah. So it looked like they both kind of just got in the way of each other's breakdancing moves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were both spinning wildly to the ground. The judges determined that they did end up hitting at the same time, which resulted in a Torina Oshi rematch, where Takanosho finally uh, got his first win of the tournament. Oh. So good job there, Takanosho, and I, some pretty fucking slick moves uh, for that first round. <laughs> I, I felt like it looked like Takanosho was trying to fucking like stunner Tamawashi, just like put him in a stunner, just fucking oh shit. <laughs> Uh, another notable one was Chio Shoma versus Surugisho on day eight. Yeah! <laughs> the big man Hanka. Surugisho <laughs> Hanka the Hanka Master. <laughs> <laughs> Dog act. 
then uh, also on day eight, Oho versus Kotoeko. It mm. looked like Oho had Kotoeko there for a while, uh, getting him up against the Tawara, but Kotoeko knocks the sense out of Oho with a brutal Harite before the dazed Oho's arm got stuck under Kotoeko's arm as Kotoeko moved to the side, essentially causing Oho to flip himself over in the confusion. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of like the, oh, Oho's momentum was going one way while Koto, when his arm was intertangled, you know, with Kotoeko's arm, and the way that they both maneuvered just kind of flipped Oho in the air. It was, yeah. was kind of <laughs> weird to look at. I, I don't know. I liked it. Oho's one of those guys who, for the for the sheer history of it, I want to see become great. Yeah. His sumo itself is just not convincing at this point. If I, I mean, he's 6'3", 400 pounds. He, if I were him, I would cut his losses with this Oshi stuff because it's not getting him super far. And I would try to train up his body to be a more versatile wrestler. I'm not saying he needs to do like wacky leg assisted throws and all this crazy technique shit. But I'm saying that at the end of the day, if you look at the numbers, you are much more likely to see success at the highest level if you have a well-rounded game than if you are like pretty singularly focused on pushing. And you're still young. You might as well... Like, if, if we know that to be a fact of sumo, which we do, why yeah. would you not want to focus your energy there in the short term? Is it because you're afraid you're going to take losses in a learning curve and you're going to drop down in rank? Maybe, but, like, it's an investment in your future. And someone with that yes. size and that build and that potential for serious strength should be, at this age, still trying to build skills and trying to, to in, in yeah. a way that will lead to the most success. Because right now, I mean, I, I feel the same way about Koto Shoho. Koto Shoho, that dude, he falls forward so often. He loses on his stomach super often, which is, to me, like, it's a it's a huge fault that should be glaringly obvious to him, something he should work on, either adapting his style to make that not happen or strengthening parts of his body to help resist that. But it continues to be the case. Both Oho and Kojo Shoho have had like flash in the pan strong tournaments in the last year, but I am as much as I want to like them for different reasons, I am not yet convinced that they are going to live up to their potential. That that's kind of the way that I am with Oho. It's like I really want Oho to succeed and when he does succeed, I really, you know, like to stand behind him, but it just seems that his performance has been a little bit lackluster, you know, here lately. I was a big fan of Oho when he first got up into Makauchi, but these days I just he's kind of in the background for me, you know. Yeah. But um all right, to close out this episode, I wanted to ask you guys, what are your predictions and or hopes for week two of Ooh. the 2023 Natsu Basho? Oh, man. Hopes and dreams. <laughs> okay. I, I do kind of feel or for predictions. I feel for Takakesho. I do want him to, uh, you know, get his eight and be safe. And I, you know, just Godspeed, you know, to Takakesho. And, uh, I really speed you round emperor. <laughs> <laughs> and and I really want Asanayama to succeed enough to where they have to have a playoff where he fights Terunofuji because yes. I I just want to see it. I got to see it. Hell yeah. 
Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I, I, I probably, I'd rather speak in dreams than predictions because anything I predict is bound to turn out wrong. Yeah. Because that's how luck is. Same. But, um, <laughs> yes, I want more than anything for Asano Yama to challenge Sharon Fuji for the cup. Um, whether it's in like a playoff format or just like, I mean, ideally like final day would be amazing. Yeah. Um, and I would like to see Asano Yama beat Terano Fuji. I would like to have like that much of a, I would like to be that reassured in Asanayama's abilities that after five, I think it's five times he's fought Teru and five times he's lost to Teru, that with Teru being weaker than he was, at least in terms of his legs, and Asanoyama hopefully having had two fucking years to think about how to do this, being <laughs> off, being uninjured. Because if not, it just, it makes me worry that Teru no Fuji will just represent a pillar of physical strength that's like insurmountable. Um, but um, and then, yes, I, if Takakesh was really hurt, then I'd like him to get eight wins and I'd like him to drop out. But if he decides that he's really feeling all right and he's doing all right, it would be cool to see Takakesh stick around and fight Terra Fuji for the first time in like a year. Um, mm. And, you know, Takakesh has definitely the ability to beat Terra Fuji when Keisho is on and powerful. We've seen it happen several times. And it would be neat for Terra to pick up a loss from there because it's nice when the Banzuke kind of works. You know, it, it's it's nice when Terra no Fuji's losses come from guys who are close to him in rank the way that it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that any but one of our Sekiwake is going to do that. So that would be cool. Um, I'd also like to see Ochi win a Jiryoyu show. Oh, hell yeah. Um, and I'd like to see him win it. Uh, well, okay, I'll give it to Ochi or Gonoyama. I like Gonoyama a lot because he's a super straightforward, just hard-charging guy. And it's cool that Goedo has such a strong student so early in his coaching career. Um, so I wouldn't mind if Gonayama won, but I think Ochi has a much higher ceiling as a Rikishi. I'd like to see Ono Sato not lose any more in Makushita. Same. I don't know if promotion is on the table after that single loss from M10. I don't really know a lot about Banzuke stuff, so I couldn't tell you. Uh, um, I'm kind of under the impression that it's probably off the table already, which is a shame because he doesn't belong in Makushita. His matches that he's had since he lost that first one have proven that he is, in fact, a giant monster. I mean, he plowed through Kaisho, who's a big weightlifting guy. Not that Kaisho's the most amazing Rikishi, but he's definitely not weak. And uh, those are kind of where my brain is at, right? Like, when I watch in the morning, those are the things I hope for the most. I would like Kota <gasps> Nawaka not to lose anymore. I'd like that. Yeah. yeah. I, I'd I, like Kota Nawaka to finally push through to Sekiwake because he's been stuck at Komosubi for several tournaments. And it's because people around him are just, I, I hate to say it, but they're outperforming him. They're beating him and they're, and they're doing better. Um, I hope that he he can pick that back together and, and do well to finish it off. I mean, when Koto Nawaka does well, he does well. And I, I kind of like watching him just kind of like just power through. It, it almost seems like sometimes you could sense favoritism in the Banzuke, it seems like. And it seemed, it, and uh, to me, it always felt like Koto Nawaka was never a part of that favoritism whenever Isegahama, you know, was in charge of the mm-hmm. Banzuke. And now that his dad's in charge of the Banzuke, it, it seems like they're super straight laced with, you know, with what yeah. they're doing. And understandably so, but still, dude can't catch a break, you know, he just, there, and it's just so constipated up there, you know, in the, in Sanyaku that he's just, he's just kind of stuck, you know, swimming in all that talent. That That's, that's gotta be rough. You mentioned constipated and then swimming at the same time. <laughs> Sorry. And it just made me think of Pooping in the Poop pool. Related things, yeah. Well, anyway. it off the pot is a hundred percent the phrase that comes to mind. 
Yes. People yeah. have been sitting on the toilet for way too long. And I think Kiribayama and Daesho might be about to shit. <laughs> I hope pretty so. cool. That's yeah. my hope for week two is I would like to see Kiribayama take a huge fucking dump <laughs> straight into Ozeki. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I would like to see Kiribayama make Ozeki after this tournament just because I think he'd be a good one. I mm-hmm. think we need more Ozeki. I think it progresses the narrative of the sport. And even though he's not my favorite guy by any means, um, I, I I do think it would it would be a solid decision and a good look for Sumo. I don't know how many wins he needs because I, again I don't follow those things that much. If unless it's someone I really care about, and I'd like to see Daisho. That's the thing. I've been really happy this tournament because our Sekiwake are keeping their shit together. In terms oh hell yeah! Of, you know they don't need to win the U show, um, but they just need to continue with a strong score. And all three of them are at six and two right now, right? Like that's or I guess all yeah. four of them. All, yeah. all, all four of them are at six and two right now. Yes. Which to me feels like the Sekiwake numbers. It feels like, like right. strong, good Sekiwake numbers, you know? Yeah. And then you have, um, you know, Asano Yama, who's currently Magashira four with a slightly better score. But anyway, we'll go ahead and we will, uh, we'll leave it at that. Noah, thank you so much for joining us again. You are always a pleasure to have Hell on the yes. show. Again, you're Anytime. Just- a wealth of knowledge and we love picking your brain on all things sumo where do you want people to find you online okay so i'm still on the old instagram with my sumo artwork uh, a lot of the time it's uh, my full name which is noah welbrock tally i'm not gonna spell it you can figure it out <laughs> um, i'm on twitter um my sumo twitter account which tweets only about sumo is um sumo zeki a portmanteau of sumo and ozeki and also a play on the fact that zeki is the honorific attached to the end of freaky she names it's a deep I'm cut clever yeah. <laughs> um and i'm almost at a thousand followers over there so if you could Ooh. boost me up that would be cool um it doesn't really mean much to me but it does mean that when i share old clips more people see them and i share a lot of old clips hell yeah kind of, but mm, i do that other accounts don't do as much of um and uh yeah that those would be the best places to find me if you're interested so thanks for having me on now that school's out and you're not working anymore you i'm sure have so much more free time to devote to uh vacation weird, weird drawings of Rikshi with uh two small faces i think <laughs> the favorite that i saw but we'll be talking to you again real soon all right sounds good thanks guys appreciate you And if you liked what you heard, go ahead and give us a five-star rating. It helps other people find this podcast. If you want to find us online, you can find us pretty much everywhere, all over the social media. We got the Facebook, we got the Instagram, we got the Twitter. Make sure you're spelling punks with an X. If you try to look us up on Twitter, though, what happens, Matt? You need to look up at PunkSumo. Because I fucked up the Twitter. We also have two shops now. One on theredbubble.com and one on the tpublic.com for various reasons. <laughs> I think we've already discussed that, actually. Uh, let's see. Any other end-of-episode stuff we need to talk about? I think that is it. I think that's it, too. All right. We'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye.